We meet today in Song of Songs, chapter 1, verse 7 to verse 14. In our last study, we saw how the Shulamite girl had been left by this one whom she had loved so much, and he had gone. She had waited for his return, and lo, he didn't come. The only company of people whom she saw coming at a given time was this band of shepherds, and among them was this shepherd who was King Solomon and happened to be her beloved. Now we saw how he took her and took her to his house and there was brought to the banqueting table. In our story today, the story moves on and we are looking at the pasture, the bride's adorning, the feast at the round table, and then the bundle of myrrh in the bosom. The Shulamite woman now, she speaks to the shepherd whom she has just met. Tell me, you whom I love, where you feed your flocks, where you make it rest at noon, why should I be as one who veils herself by the flocks of your companions? Song of Songs 1 verse 7. According to the Shulamite girl, this man seemed to be an unusual shepherd in that he didn't have any sheep that she could see. So she raised a question concerning his sheep. Where is your flock? The shepherd seemed to be very evasive even in his answer. Now let's look beneath the surface and see something that is very precious here, friend. The Lord Jesus spoke in John 10, verse 14 and verse 16, saying, I'm the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now, we all tend to raise questions as the Shulamite girl asked the shepherd about the other sheep. And the other sheep here, according to John chapter 10, refers to the heathens. Are they lost? We want to know about the doctrine of election. We want to know about this one or that one. Is he saved or isn't he saved? We tend to pass judgment on those who are around us. Instead of concentrating on that one's position, we must make sure that we are his sheep. That is our direct concern, and it needs to be addressed by us. At another point, when Jesus was reinstating Peter to the ministry after he had denied him, and then when Jesus rose from the dead, he visited the, these disciples who had gone back to fishing. And you find Peter asking a question concerning John. What about this one? And the Lord's answer was this to Peter. What has that to do with you? You follow me. In other words, mind your own business. Make sure that you are in a right standing with me. Anyway, let us hear the shepherd's answer to the beloved. If I do not know, O fairest among women, Follow in the footsteps of the flock, and feed your little gods besides the shepherd stands. Song of Songs 1 verse 8 Now, this would be the answer of the Lord Jesus to us. 
if you do not know, O fairest among the saints, follow in the footsteps of the flock and feed your little goats besides the shepherd stand. You see, feed your little goats. The little lambs need to be fed. And all of us, my friend, we come under that classification as the little lambs. Peter put it this way, like newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow through it. First Peter 2 verse 2. You see, that is an important statement to keep in mind. Feed the little lambs. And you feed your little gods besides the shepherd's stands. You see, believers need to feed themselves besides the shepherd's stands because that is the place where the grass would be usually green. Of course, it is the word of God on which we are to feed. We cannot feed others and tell them about the joy of the word of God unless it is a joy to us. But also feeding Besides the shepherd's lamp, that is in the right parts, not going all over the place. Sometimes I get weary of people who move from place to place, even following after false teachers. Feed your lamps, feed your goats, besides the shepherd's stand, according to the will of God. We need to feed upon the word of God, my friend. Then we need to get the word out to others. The bride of Christ, who is to be presented to him in the future, is to get the word of God out today. As the body of believers, we are failing to do this, and God will hold us accountable. How are you doing on your little corner? The song that we used to sing, brighten the corner where you are, brighten the corner where you are, because that is where God has planted you to give out the word of God. Are you brightening your little corner? If you do not know all fairest among women, that is an important statement from the shepherd here. You see, there are many things for which we do not have the answers. But the folly of many young preachers today and many people is trying to get answers to everything. That is not possible. Don't let what you don't know disturb what you already know. Only be happy to say, I know whom I have believed, as Paul said, writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 verse 12. But I don't find Paul saying that he knew all about the doctrine of election. So... What was important for Paul is to know whom he had believed, but not have answers to everything. Now, let us not permit what we don't know, disturb what we already know. That is what the shepherd is saying to this girl. Don't worry about what you do not know. Just be sure to feed your sheep, and that is your responsibility. Be sure to be in the truth. Be sure to be in the hands of the shepherd, close to his tents. We also need to talk about the bride's adorning. You see, the, the shepherd uses a comparison as he goes on to say, I have compared you, my love, to my lily among Pharaoh's chariots. Now, when the word love is used here, it is the bridegroom speaking to the bride. 
You see, when a person is dressed as beloved, it is the bride who is speaking to the bridegroom. And so he says, I have compared you, my love, to my filly among Pharaoh's chariots. When Moses and the children of Israel came to the Red Sea in their flight from Egypt, they found that any retreat was blocked by Pharaoh's chariots, which were rapidly approaching. It was a fearsome army with horses and chariots and banners flying above the chariots. It was an overwhelming sight. The bridegroom is saying that he is overwhelmed by the beauty of this country. She has none of the graces of the court. She has never been to a beauty parlor. She really has never taken care of herself, but she has a striking natural beauty. And so the shepherd goes on to describe the things that he noticed on his beloved. Song of Songs 1, verse 10 and verse 11 says, Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with chains of gold. Will you make your ornaments of gold with the studs of silver? Now, that is a very explicit love language. You see, I would like to highlight here at this point to say God celebrates married love, marital love, because it is in its right place. And in its right place, it is acceptable, it is excellent, it is beautiful. Listen to that explicit language. Your cheeks are lovely. You see, what he sees is that her neck is beautiful. How lovely this is and how intimate the language is. He says that he intends to cover her with jewelry. He sees her, her cheeks lovely with jewelry and th those jewels, her neck with chains of gold. And so he speaks of the parts of the body that appeal in a love affair. I'm sure there are many of you ladies who noticed the eyelashes of your husband. And of all things, by the way, you notice his physique, his broad shoulders, and you say, yeah, that is amazing. And sometimes when you catch women speaking by themselves, they may even be boasting of one who has a broad chest. And you husbands also notice the dimples on the cheeks and the eyes of your wife. And you, even the little ears, like shells, and all that sort of a thing, that is natural to be done in the context of married life. And you see here the shepherd is speaking of this girl, who will be his bride. Now in the spiritual sense, the bride is the church of Jesus Christ, and the bridegroom is the Lord himself. Does he find any beauty in the church? Friend, he found all of us not beautiful but lost. The Shulamite girl had a natural beauty even though it had been neglected. But we don't even have that. There is nothing about us that could be appealing to Christ. We bring nothing to him. He has to provide everything. The same picture can be applied even to Israel. When he came down to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. He didn't say, I'm going to free you because you are such a superior people, superior to the Egyptians. No, no, no. They were not. Actually, they were small and inferior. 
Neither did he say, You have been so faithful to me, for we know that they had been unfaithfully, completely faithless, living in idolatry. They had deserted God. They had turned their backs upon God and were engaged in gross immorality. Then what was it that appealed to God? Why did he waste his time with them? The answer is given only by God himself. And he speaks to Moses, as quoted in Acts 7 verse 34, I have heard their groaning. That is what appealed to God, my friend. The answer lies totally in his love and grace. He heard them crying. He heard their groaning. He saw their affliction. It was the lost condition that caused God to provide a salvation for Israel. And he said that he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, God is faithful to his word. When he says he will do a thing, he intends to make that promise good. He is not a son of man that he should lie. He is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Therefore, it was also our wretched, lost condition that caused God to provide a salvation for us, the church. God tells us that we will be saved if we will do nothing more than put our trust in Christ. All we can do is to ask him and plead for mercy. He heard the Israelites groaning. He listens to the sinner who comes to him in repentance and faith in his provision for salvation. That is his son, Jesus Christ. Then we hear the shepherd making this statement. We will make you ornaments of gold with the stars of silver. Actually, this is a picture of what our heavenly bridegroom will do for every believer. The passage in Ephesians chapter 5 makes this very clear. Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. He did it so that he might sanctify and cleanse the church with the washing of the water by the word of God. That is a real miracle soap, my friend. He did this so that he might present the church to himself, a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle, but holy, set apart for him and without blemish. What has happened to the church? He has redeemed us. He has paid the price for us. He has subtracted our sins and has added his righteousness to us. We are covered with the righteousness of Christ and we stand complete in him, accepted in the beloved. Have you been accepted into the beloved, my friend? We now move on to the feasting at the round table. Song of Songs 1 verse 12 While the king is at his table, my spikenard sends forth its fragrance. Now, this verse carries with it a very deep spiritual meaning. The bridegroom brings in all his invited guests to the banquet table. We can go down through history and mark those who have accepted the invitation to the banquet of the bridegroom. You see, when Jesus was born, the shepherds came down from the hilltops to see him in the stable. 
the wise men came out of, from the east to present him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. David had the round table in mind when he wrote, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. You see, that is exactly what the shepherd did to this girl. She is brought into the banqueting house and now at the banqueting table. And what happens? And says, my spikenard sent forth its fragrance. That is a very special perfume reserved for the best guests or the, the most important guests and typified there in what Jesus Christ did. Now he invites us to the banqueting table of salvation. Oh, isn't this wonderful? He has been so gracious to me to bring me to his banqueting table. Or oh, I can say that a hot-headed boy from the rural areas of Zimbabwe had the invitation and thank God he accepted it. I have been sitting at his banqueting table for over 20 years now. Are you sitting at the banqueting table with the Lord? Have you had the invitation which Jesus says, please come. He is inviting you even today. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Revelation 3 verse 20. You see, that is the invitation, my friend. He wants to dine with us. And that is talking of the wonderful love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a serving relationship. Please, why don't you come and sit at the round table? Another statement we saw in this particular verse is that while the king is at his table, my spikenard sent forth its fragrance. And the spikenard is the fragrance of Christ's life. How wonderful it is. This same fragrance should be in our lives by association with him because you associate with Christ. Your fragrance should be felt by all the people you meet. Sitting at his table will do this for us, my friend. The ordinance of the Lord's Supper is a very important service if it is a time of real communion with him. If it is merely a form and a ritual to you, forget it. It has no value. It ought to be to deepen your relationship with Christ. I move on now to the bundle of myrrh in the bosom. Now the bride makes a statement which is quite intimate. But don't be afraid of it and run away from it. No, it is important. Listen to this. A bundle of myrrh is my beloved to me. That lies all night between my breasts. Song of Songs 1 verse 13. Now, the original language actually permits us to translate this verse several ways. You can say, it shall lie all night between my breasts. What is it? Well, it is the bundle of myrrh. The bundle of myrrh. What are we talking about? For the believer, the bundle of May represents Christ. In the real love relationship, you could talk of that bundle of May 
depending on what is going on. But we have this wonderful picture of something that is cherished and is put close to the heart. In a love relationship is one who has been taken close to the heart, could be the head of the beloved. But here now we see the representation of Christ who is so precious to us, who ought to be close to our heart. You recall that one of the gifts the wise men brought to Christ was myrrh. When Christ died, Joseph and Nicodemus brought myrrh out to put on his body. The myrrh speaks of his entire life from birth to death, my friend. Christ should lie heavy upon your breast and upon your heart at night. When you wake up during the night, what do you think about? Do you begin to worry about the next day? Well, I must confess that I do that at times. But it is wonderful to be able to turn that off and turn to Jesus at night when I'm becoming anxious and worried. We need to follow the admonition in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. In other words, Meditate upon the Lord Jesus Christ, even in your sleep. Oh, friend, let's think upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He is so wonderful. My friend, can I ask you a question? Do you miss so much when you are satisfied with some little course on how to live the Christian life or go on through some little ritual? Do you miss so much? Oh, to have Christ as the very object of your life, the one who brings in the excitement, the ecstasy, the fellowship and the joy. His grace and his love and his mercy are all yours. Just open the door. Let him come in. He is knocking at the door of your heart right now. Accept him and he will take you to the banqueting table, but also even into his wonderful bedroom where you can meditate on him day and night. He seeks fellowship with you. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa.